Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Dave. And Nick is here, Brooklyn Joker 90 on Twitter. Uh, I believe this is the first time our paths are crossing this season. Nick, I think you've been on the show once or twice uh, earlier this year, but you know, always good to have you. Producer JL, you won't be f- hearing from him, but he is behind the virtual glass, as they say. And in a week of no hockey games, we still have plenty to hockey, plenty of hockey to talk about as the Rangers are in the midst of their bye week and all-star break. But uh, no shortage of news this week with the big Elias Lindholm trade, the Capo Caco, let's call them rumors or rumblings. Uh, we're going to talk about all that, but also our, our expectations for a second half of the, of the season here uh, as the Rangers gear up for a stretch run and hopefully a deep playoff journey as well. Dave, Nick, how are you guys doing on this fine Thursday night as we record ahead of a Friday release? I'm uh, go for it, Nick. Oh, uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I'm definitely missing uh, some Rangers hockey. Also, kind of happy to have a little bit of a mental break from from the team after how they've played uh, over the last month or so. I mean, I am, and I was in need of a little bit of a break from just going twenty four seven with. The kids and the Rangers looking like dog shit, like we spoke about last week. But now that I've had a little bit of time, a little bit of a break, I see how we had dodged the bullet with Elias Lindholm. So I'm good. I'm back. I'm ready for more hockey. I'm ready for real hockey, not all-star game hockey. Yeah. And with all of the, it's a great segue, right? Because with all the Lindholm stuff that happened over the last 24, 48 hours, and then some of the Kako discourse, let's call it, when the rumblings came out that the Rangers are quote unquote taking calls on Capo Kako. That was from Darren Drager on Insider Trading. It was about a 32 second piece of rumor mongering information, let's call it, and didn't really sound that grounded in anything in terms of hard information. And we'll get to all that. But in my mind, I was like, like you guys, I was, I was very excited to not watch the Rangers because of how stressful the games have been. And, 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 not not the individual games, but just the, the discourse around the team. And then I was thinking to myself after that happened, like, man, I just wish there was a game on, right, to distract us from all this. The other thing I think that's now occurring to me is uh, this is going to be a very long five weeks because trade season has officially kicked off with that big uh, deal. So just to recap it, in case anyone didn't see it, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you have seen it. Uh, Elias Lindholm goes from Calgary to Vancouver. The big uh, NHL piece going the other, other direction is Andre Kuzmenko. A uh, couple of prospects and a first round pick in that deal, all for the rental services of Elias Lindholm. Uh, no guarantee that he resigns with Vancouver, but Vancouver is all in. Good for them. They're having a great year. Uh, Nick, I want to start with you. What are your top line thoughts on the Lindholm deal? Thank God it wasn't Chris Jury. 
because with with as much as I've complained about the Rangers so far this year, and I do want Drury to be aggressive, giving up four to five assets for a guy who let's, let's be a hundred percent honest. If the Rangers were to trade for Elias Lindholm, it was a pure rental. They were not extending him. They couldn't afford him past this year. So to give up that much for a potential three, four month rental at a guy who I'm not a hundred percent certain gets us over the hump. I would have absolutely wanted to murder Chris jury if that was him. So thank God he went to Vancouver. That temptation is now removed from jury and hopefully he'll focus and do what he did two years ago and bring in a couple of pieces to round out the roster and make us a more efficient team. Couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. This team is not an Elias Lindholm away. This team needs a 3C, which is not Lindholm, especially not for that price. They might need another winger. They need a 4C. They might need a 7th defenseman. Small moves to augment the roster and fill the roster holes. That's all they need. The price for the role Lindholm was going to play was not worth it. Remember, he wasn't going to get top six time. He wasn't going to get top power play time. He was going to get 15 minutes or so of five-on-five time. That's it. You're not giving up what amounted to Kako, I think like Robertson, Jones, and a first-round pick for a guy playing on your third line and second power play unit. You don't do that. This also brings, uh, and you, you mentioned Drury, Nick, and I think you were talking more negatively about the state of the entire team because, again, you know, other than a couple of moves, the Booch trade is obviously the big one, but I think Drury's done a fantastic job. And th- this just brings to mind for me one of his absolute master strokes, which is the Filipino extension, right? I mean, he is on a cap hit that's essentially going to be half of what Elias Hin- Lindholm's new cap hit is going to be. And I would argue. Uh, and I'm sure there would be an argument, but I would argue that Hedl could reach higher heights than Lindholm has. I know he had 40 plus goals that one year playing with Kachuk and Huberto, right? That was the line. And, um, you know, Calgary was, was a super hot team at that point. And, uh, he has not reached those scoring heights since his metrics are just kind of so, so, you know, he's not this kind of lockdown shutdown C and like the mold of a Philip Dano, let's say, right. So, um, you're not getting plus scoring. You're not getting plus shutdown numbers or, or performance. You're going to give that guy $8 million. That, look, Philip Heedle's health is paramount, right? But when he's healthy and if he ever plays again, which we all hope he does, I think the Rangers are in much better shape with Philip Heedle on, on their books in a middle six center role. So agree, bullet dodged. I, I did want to get your thought, thoughts, Dave, on one thing, because this comes up a lot and maybe you don't have thoughts, but kind of interesting that he was traded within his division, right? I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, the, the you're hearing uh, rumors about maybe the Penguins or Flyers are, are shopping some players, right? Scott Lawton's name has come up. Jake Gensel, huge name that's come up. And I think a lot of people's first reaction is, well, they wouldn't trade him to the Rangers. It's in their division, right? Especially a guy like Lawton who has term. But Lindholm went from Calgary to Vancouver. Do you, you got either of you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think it's probably smart to take the best deal, of course, but I see the other side of it as well. I I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it for somebody that's pure rental. I'm sure Vancouver, sorry, Calgary looked at Vancouver's cap situation. You know, they have cap space, but they need to sign Pedersen. They need to fill out the rest of the roster. 
with Lindholm likely commanding $8 million, they can't fit him. So they thought it was probably not overly – not a big concern for them to have Lindholm in the division. And plus, they got a pretty decent haul. Not many teams were going to match that, especially when you kind of take a step back and look at how all this unfolded. You have the Kako rumor breaks. You have Brooks's article that Lindholm is a top target for the Rangers. And then like four hours later, Lindholm's traded to the Canucks. I'm willing, <laughs> Funny how to that bet, works. I'm willing to bet a large sum of money that none of those leaks about the Rangers came from the Rangers, that they came from Calgary so that they could get Vancouver to up it and include whatever the missing piece was. It was probably the second prospect. I mean, to be fair, too, I think Kuzmenko is probably the best, the, the best prospect, quote unquote, prospect that they were at, they were going to get for uh, an expiring contract like Lindholm from a team that really can't afford him. So I, I actually think it was good business on Calgary's end. It was definitely, you know, an overpay by by Vancouver, but they think they're they think they're a legit cup contender. So I give them credit for going all in, and thank God for uh, Trader Jim Rutherford because. If it wasn't for him, you know, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. So I'm I'm glad that Jim Rutherford still uh, is employed and can still wheel and deal. And would you have any qualms trading in division like that, Nick? Or are you kind of one of those guys who's like, just get the best deal, don't worry about it? Oh, I'm all about getting the best deal. Like when Gordon traded Gravity to the Devils for Rykov in a second rounder, I didn't think we were going to get that much for Michael Gravner. So, and, you know, it wound up working out even more in the Rangers' favor when the Devils scratched him in the playoffs. So, but I, you know, I'm a firm believer in best deal of, available. If you can get something from a guy, you know, from a team in your division, go ahead, fleece him if you have the chance. Yep. And as a fire, this is probably a Calgary fire sale. I don't think they really care at this point. If it was a hockey trade, yeah, you probably don't want it in the division. But this is a pure fire sale calgary's dumping everybody they don't care where it goes as long as they have assets that they can use in the future so i I get the whole division thing i don't know if i agree with it for a move like this like if the rangers were to trade kako i wouldn't want him in the division right speaking of so dave you mentioned it capo kako does figure into this lindholm story because it was conveniently leaked to Drager that, uh, and and then you know sort of expounded upon by Larry Brooks, let's say in the New York Post that the Rangers were quote unquote taking calls on Capo Caco. This obviously sets off sets off the predictable firestorm on Rangers Twitter, uh, which we'll get to because I want to kind of talk that through. Uh, and, and like you said, Dave, this was pretty clearly leaked by Calgary in order to get um, you know Vancouver to up the offer for Lindholm. So. Uh, very transparent use of the media by the Flames to get a better offer, which happens all the time. I mean, this is pretty much how NBA trades are made through Shams and Woj, right? So um, it worked good for them. Fine. Uh, all that said, let's talk about the merits of trading Kako. Now, there, we're going to get questions about this as well, but let's just have a quick kind of couple of minutes on it here. Um, look, I'll just start. I'm of the mind that it's not the worst idea in the world. And the reason I say that is, The Rangers may, even though they're not deep organizationally at right wing, I get that. They may just feel like after his third coach, right? And, and, you know, and after a a large sample size across five seasons now, 
what they have is a player that is a solid defensive player that can't really score. Now, I know he's had good five on five numbers last year, but that's his only year of doing that in terms of counting stats, you know, goals and assists. Um, and also, I think one uh, slightly underreported or under, uh, you know, talked about facet of this is he gets hurt. He's had a major injury in pretty much every season that he's played. So he's injury prone. He's underperforming his value. Uh, but uh, as a second overall pick, I should I should say, but he is a guy who still does have value and upside. And could the Rangers parlay that to fill a need at center and maybe on defense as well? So I see the merits in it. I don't think it's a crazy thing. I think you really should be taking calls on pretty much every player on your roster, bar two or three, you know, your Adam Foxes, your uh, Artemi Panarins, right? And even, you know, teams aren't going to be calling about either of those guys on those contracts anyway. So um, even Lafreniere, I'd take calls on because if this is the best he has, then you trade him at his highest value, right? So anyway, what do you guys think? Nick, I'll start with you. Rangers taking calls on Kako. What was your immediate thought on that? And how do you feel about it? I look at it this way. I, Mark Messier was traded. Mark Messier is one of the greatest players to ever play. So if he can get moved, anybody can get moved, especially somebody like Kako Kako, who, as you mentioned, has not really cut the mustard so far as an NHLer. He he has some he has some really good things about his game defensively, his board work. He's he he has a higher ups he's a higher upside version of Jesper Foster, Carl Haglin. That's really what we're looking at. And that's not what you draft second overall. So if there's a team out there that's willing to, you know, overpay to believe that they can unlock his potential, then I'm all for it at this point. Because I, look, as much as I like Kako and as much as I like some of the stuff he brings to to you know to the game. I don't think it's worth holding on to and betting on this potential that at some point, like Chris Kreider, you know, unlocked a 30 goal season 10 years down the road. It's not worth it, especially when this team is all in to win a cup. You can't keep saying, okay, his potential is potential is potential. At some point, the potential has to show up. Dave, that is a thousand percent true. The potential does eventually need to show up. Um, but I think, Maybe we need to reassign what potential we're looking for in Kako. I'm not saying Kako is untouchable. I would trade him for a in a heartbeat if the right deal comes along. And I've really been pumping the Ryan Hartman thing ever since I mentioned it last week as a throwaway name, and all of a sudden it picked up steam. I don't know how. Um, You're very influential. But that's a, yeah, bullshit. Thanks, though. <laughs> no um, so. Ryan Hartman is a guy that has a good contract, two more years of $4 million. He's not 100 years old. He plays a Will Cooley-style game, which is something that the Rangers do need. He's shown that he can play with skilled players in the top six. He can play at all three strengths. He drives offense. He's what the Rangers need, and I would trade Kako for him. I don't know if one-for-one one is fair value. I don't know what the fair value for somebody like Kako is. Um, but back to what we should be expecting of Kako, he's a top defensive forward in the NHL right now. And that's the hardest part of the game. And then you take a step back and you look at his five versus five production. The fact that neither Kreider nor Zibanejad could, could what hit a barn 
in the first month of the season. I'm I'm half asleep right now, so I'm screwing up terms. You know, everyone, give me a little bit of a break here. Now, how much of a lot of this is cocktail, but a lot of this is also just situational luck. This is his first real NHL coach, too. All due respect to, well, actually, no respect to David Quinn or Gerard Gallant. Fuck them. Um, this is his first real coach. Finally, putting him in a spot where he can succeed. Staple him to the first first line. See what he can do. If he can't put it together in the in that month or so that he's there before the trade deadline, then he's two years away from unrestricted free agency and do a contract at the end of the year. Ship him away. I'm I'm okay with that. But you got to give the guy an actual chance with a real coach with with players that will actually put the puck in the net or can actually put the puck in the net and aren't shooting 3% while they're on the ice. What's interesting to me, and I, I hear you, Dave, and I do agree mostly. The leash Ooh. has been short for him and Laviolette has not been a short leash coach. It's one of the things that we've, I think, really enjoyed this season, right? Win or loss is that, you know, look, unless the team is really in the doldrums, he is giving his lines a lot of room to breathe, maybe more room to breathe than necessary at times, right? But for some reason, Kako has been pulled off that top line in short order a couple of times. I mean, coming off this most recent injury, he only got about two and a half games there and he scored. He scored in the Seattle game, right? He has two other goals, by the way, since returning. They were both in garbage time. They were kind of rebound, you know, garbage goals, which fine, they still, they all count. But I'm a little perplexed and I do wonder if, there just might be something there. And look, I, I hate to be that guy, right? Because we can, we really should only be talking about what we know, right? What we see and what our opinions are as fans and then what the stats tell us, right? The traditional and the advanced and otherwise. Um, but maybe there's something there where he's just not gelling with the coaching that he's gotten. You know, he seems to have a good attitude, but he's also pretty public in the media about his ice time. He's always talking about, um, you know, wanting more ice time and sometimes making, you know, uh, interesting little comments. I'll call them about his ice time and about wanting more power play time, which good for him. You know, he, he should want that. You know, you also have to earn it. And that top power play unit is tough to penetrate if you're a New York Ranger player right now. Right. But because even with the dip lately, it's still, you know, maybe this it's the first or second best power play in the NHL over the last four seasons. Like you'd be crazy as a coach to, 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 to mess with it. So, you know, I, and when that power play goes cold, by the way, the power play has gone cold. They still shoot like 19%. And that's, yes, that's a no, bad yeah. power play for the Rangers, 19%. They're usually 25 right. to 30%. So this power play is absolutely lethal. You're not cracking that. Exactly. And and I don't blame the coaches for not changing it. The only thing I'll say is this, too, uh, regardless of all that. And I've been like musing on this because I'm also a Knicks fan. Nick, I know you you are as well. Look, uh, the Knicks made a trade and, and for the, you know, I, I know this is probably something again that most people are at least aware of, but just to kind of talk through it and talk about its significance, they traded two of their best young players, their most well-liked young players, guys they drafted in the first round, right? RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly to Toronto, mainly for OG Ananobi, who was a more established two-way player, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, right? So, so they basically filled a need, trying to put this in very broad terms, because I know this is not a basketball podcast. The point is, Every Nick fan was gutted to lose those. Maybe not Barrett, but most Nick fans were gutted to lose quickly. Barrett was was a cornerstone of this rebuild that they just went through that got them to what they are now, which is basically a contender, you know, at least for a, an Eastern Conference final berth. 
And it was truly addition by subtraction, right? They, 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 the team just fits much better now. And I think there's something to be said for that because I'm thinking about this too, Dave and Nick, and I, let's get your thoughts on that. And then this, and then we'll go to the questions. Um, if they do make a trade for a right wing, which I think they need to, I don't think there's enough scoring there right now. You have Kako and Blake Wheeler. Neither of them are playing on the fourth line. One of them's going to have to get benched or shipped out. Like it, it's just a matter of fit. I don't, I don't see if you go out and reacquire Tarasenko or, you know, look, maybe there is some sort of larger deal with Minnesota and, and, I'm just using a name here. Matt Zuccarello comes back. Not that I'm personally interested in that, but just talking about the types of guys that, that might come into a team established scoring right wing players that could pair well with Kreider and Zibanejad. See, the problem is Rangers what Twitter happened? just heard you say Zook and they've all just collectively lost their minds. Well, people, so now, are, <laughs> people are talking I, about Strom coming back on Rangers Twitter. So I'm not, you know, oh God, fuck that one. But I just want to, <laughs> I want to expand on that one, Rob, just to blow everybody's mind. What if it was Kako and say, I don't know, Jones or Robertson for both Hartman and Zuccarello? I mean, I, would I think it. we, I, I think we build a statue to Chris Jury. Yeah, yeah, probably. But so just the point is fit though, right? So like OG Ananobi really fits the Knicks. He's made them the best team in the NBA since the trade. That's literal facts. And I, I look, I don't know if there's a if there if there is a one to one comparison, but I, I do think that if the environment were correct, there would be a similar trade out there for the Rangers. I think Kako has value as a young player with still cost control and high upside. And I think there's a player out there that somebody in a little bit of a different uh, timeline right now that isn't trying to compete for a Stanley Cup right now might be interested in parting with a legit NHL scorer, scorer uh, or center, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and again, it just might fit the Rangers better in terms of timeline and in terms of on the ice and how they construct the lineup. So I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that, but I've been I've been musing on that over the last couple of weeks. You know, since the Ananobi trade happened and, and, and very much lately since the Kako rumors happened. I actually, I, I love the, the Knicks analogy because I, I look at Kako in the same vein that, that I used to look at RJ Barrett. And um, yep. I like Barrett. I like Kako. Fit just isn't there. There, you know, there was glaring issues with RJ Barrett's game. There's glaring issues with Kako's game. Uh, you know, if we could give him time, I would love to do that. But the problem is, I think the the Rangers are now past that point because they are in a we must win the cup now mode. So if this was still we were going through the rebuild or there wasn't there wasn't almost a mandate of, you know, we didn't have the embarrassment of last year's first round, I think you can give him a longer leash, but the problem is based on where we're at the timeline just doesn't fit anymore. So I think he's a square peg in a round hole. And the Rangers do have to look at moving on. I would love reuniting Tarasenko with Zibanejad and Kreider because that line worked. They they fed off each other. Um, Tarasenko not only can create, but he's a, as we all know, he's a great finisher. So that also that's a huge thing for that first line. And I would try and use Kako to add a center. And I, I really do like the the. Kako to Minnesota for Ryan Hartman. Now, do you add a conditional second? Do you add Zach Jones or, you know, Robertson? I mean, Kako, Robertson, and, you know, a conditional second for Hartman, I would 
I would honestly I be think okay. that's too much. I I, I think Kako for Hartman one uh, one for one does it. I yeah. you think Minnesota does that one for one? Kako's twenty two years old. I I know I I know, but they they also bought really low on Ryan Hartman, and they kind of brought him along and finished his development to turn him into a pretty solid NHLer. So if I was them, I'd look to sell hot as high as I could on him. All right, let me just check what Hartman's stats are now, just so that I'm understanding I, where he is. And I can't. He does but, play on the top line, or he was for a while. Maybe they've changed that. But I know for a while it was, it was Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello, right? Yes, yes, yes it was. Last, made a very all last good year. Yeah, all right. last year. That was their best line. And, but the other uh, thing, too, that you have to look into also, that you have to think about, too, um, he does have an extra year of control, so the price would be a little bit steeper. So Hartman has two years left at four million after this season. Um, his best season was 21, 22, 34 goals, 65 points. Last season played 59 games, 15 goals, 37 <laughs> points. This season, 44 games, 15 goals, 25 assists. So 25 assists, 25 points. Sorry. His wow. he has one blip of 65 points. Everything else is about 15 goals, 30 to 25 to 30 points. So he he can play up, but it does also look like injuries might be a concern here, which doesn't really help when you think about Kako's injuries too. Yeah. So Hartman I wonder, I wonder it'd be such a good fit on the third line though. Like that I that's that, would be a great fit on the third line. You don't need him to score. I mean you you need him to create, yeah. you need him to to defend and hold the you know, hold pucks and you need you need timely goals from from those types of players. And, and you know, look, that that's certainly I also wonder right? If there's a bigger deal too to be made with Ottawa, if you can add Tarasenko, but if there's a bigger trade there to be made, not Pinto? just getting to Shane maybe Pinto, Pinto the- maybe Pinto. I I was kind of thinking on the blue line because I've heard his name get floated. Chickren, yep, uh huh. Yeah, I mean, he I don't think they need a Chickren. Yeah, I don't think they need a Chickren, but I do like yeah, Pinto. Not. Um, if you're going defense from them, um, what, Hamannick maybe? But that's an extra year. Hmm. They don't have anybody with just one year. No, and they're going to keep Shabbat wow. and Sanderson. Yeah, so, yeah. no, they, yeah, sure. look, they, Shabbat and they Sanderson another, are, uh, yeah. They're untouchable. I mean, they're another team, too, that they thought they were going to be good this year. And that's kind of happened with Calgary. Well, Calgary, maybe not so much with the coaching change, but that, you know, Minnesota is a team that thought they were going to be in contention this year. They're seven points out of a playoff spot. Ottawa's in last in the East. They thought they were going to be pretty good. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's a weird year for that reason. Um, guys, I do, before we get to the questions, we have a couple of minutes. Um, let's very quickly shift to just give me your, give me 30 seconds on your either expectations for the second half of this season for the Rangers or, your um what you want to see happen like like how do you know what what would be uh what do you need to see from this team let's say as the second half gets underway next week that'll make you feel better about their fortunes going into the spring let's 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 phrase it that way dave oh you want me to start this yeah oh jeez. all right what am i expecting from the rangers in the second half of the season i am expecting igor shesterkin to get his fucking act together. There you go. Half of the games. If Igor Shosturkin is regular, not even Vesna winning, 
Igor Shesterkin. If he's last year's version, that 12-12-2 record that we just saw is probably closer to 15-9-2 or 16-8-2, if my math is right on that. It is, it is. Shesterkin has simply cost this team a couple of games at at a bare minimum with the way he's played. And I am always the guy that's, don't blame the goalie, don't blame the goalie, no. This is on him. He needs to get his act together. And it's just poor timing because the power play went from 30% to 19%. That'll also get going. And I'm willing to bet a large sum of money that wants Shesterkin. And, um, sorry, this background noise on my side. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, because my wife started printing something while I'm podcasting. <laughs> Thank you. So, you sorry for the background. Yeah, we uh, we got tired of paying for uh, ink jets, so we just bought a laser <laughs> printer. It was like 200 bucks, and she started printing while I'm in here podcasting. <sighs> so, I like that answer, once, Dave. Yeah. Once the Sturkin and the power play get going, uh, she just texted, sorry, uh, we won't even notice that the Rangers are without a 3C for a while. That's what I was trying to say. That was good. Nick, how about you? And then we'll get to the questions. I, I, I'm I'm just expecting the team to be more focused, more dialed in than they have been, you know, the last month or so. Because there's just been a couple of games over this last month where it just seemed like they weren't really ready to play. And I, I think part of it is just, they, they, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with health. So I'm hoping for better health, you know, here down the stretch that this, this bye week and the all-star break kind of came at the perfect time for them since they were reeling. But what I'm really hoping for and what I want to see is some secondary scoring. Can anyone outside of the Panarin line, please, for the love of God, do something offensively? Please, just a- anybody. I really don't care who at this point, but just somebody outside of Panarin, Trocek, and Lafreniere, please. Yeah, I, I just to piggyback off that, Nick, uh, real quick for me, like, let's see the real Mika's advantage ad and Chris Kreider. I mean, I remember, look, we had uh, Jay Fresh come on this podcast at the beginning of last season, I think it was. And his, like, player card had Mika as one of the top 10 centers in the NHL. He was, like, you know, 90th percentile across the board. We all know he's a great finisher uh, on the power play. He's a great goal scorer. And in the Rangers have played 49 games or whatever it is. I would say in all but... 15 of those games, he has not looked like himself. I don't know if there's an injury there. I don't know what else might be going on. If it's just an adjustment thing, he's a new father, right? There's all these internal and external potential factors. Um, the real Mika needs to stand up. And I think if that happens, Chris Kreider will also uh, stand up because as one goes, the other goes, they're the, you know, they're the best friends that anyone ever had. So um, those two are so important to this team's overall success. Uh, as is the goalie, which you so eloquently put before Dave. All right, time for the questions. Uh, we got quite a few, so we want to, um, you know, get through these, get through them all. Um, we're starting with uh, the very familiar uh, John Cougar Colleen Camp at Bill to Spill. Uh, what is the worst Ranger Twitter trade rumor you've ever heard? Now, Dave, you clarified this. Aside from that stupid Horvat Butch one, which I don't even remember. Um, so I'm uh, glad that- you're. I'm so I'm yeah, glad that, your brain remembers it because mine does not. I blacked it out. I remember that because uh, there was I, a very yeah. specific group of people that were trying to be coy and pretend like they had clout, and it was very clear they didn't. So I just wanted to put that one out there. 
Got it. So, aside from that, do you have any in your head? I want to say all the Brad Richards trade deadline rumors. Because obviously he came to the Rangers, but Brad Richards was rumored to be coming to the Rangers for like four years before he actually signed with them. And none of them actually made sense given the timing. Dallas was good. The Rangers were good. It made no sense for them to trade Brad Richards to the Rangers, but it just didn't go away. And it was like three straight trade deadlines for this. And every time I saw it, I wanted to put my head through a wall. Nick, how about yourself? I feel like there was a run of like five straight years where Alesh Hemsky was getting traded to the Rangers. <laughs> I remember that. Like, I keep the too. <laughs> yeah, like you, you remember those, right? Like it was like five straight seasons of Alesh Hemsky will be a New York Ranger. It never, it never happened, obviously, but it was just like one of those things. Like I couldn't wait every year for like February to come because it was like, okay, Hemsky, Hemsky to the Rangers, the Rangers time is here. Let's go. Or my favorite Taylor Hall for Michael Delzato. That was my personal favorite. <laughs> that, the, I that, missed that one. Where the fuck did that come from? Oh, dude, that was, I'll never forget. That was, I want to say 2013-ish, where everybody turned on Delzato. It was like after everybody turned on Delzato. And it was just like it was the it was the um, the strike uh, the lockout shortened season twelve thirteen, where you know a couple of people on Twitter kept floating that, and I just remember saying to somebody, I'm like, we all believe Delzato's garbage. Why would Edmonton trade Taylor Hall, who ever, who they love, for our garbage? I'm like, can you come up with something better, just please? And then they traded him for Adam Larson one on one, one for one. Yeah, which kind of killed, which kind of killed my point. So I kind of looked like an idiot on that one. Uh, honestly, I don't have as good a memory for this stuff as you guys, but I will say this: uh, anything from last year involving Patrick Kane was. I saw some like off the wall stuff, which like also came from Blackhawks Twitter, but you know, it, it's hockey Twitter in general. Right. So I'll just use that as a, as an extension here. I mean, people were literally like, you're not getting him unless you give us Electi Lafreniere. Like, I was like, what are you, what are you smoking? Like th- it was bizarre stuff. So yeah, people don't have the greatest uh, meter sometimes for trade value. Uh, good question though. Thank you to Mr. To spill. Um, next one comes from Michael Silvers M Silvers, 1979. Okay, I joked about this back in November, but now I'm for real. Should Mika shave the head? Yes, absolutely. It's too long. It, it's, yes. too, it's too. It's too long. Maybe not shave the head totally and go Mister Clean with it, but like, yeah, trim it up for sure. Do pull a, a pull a. I just said Kreider Panarin. Pull a Panarin. Just run with he it. Used to have. If you look at his like rookie photos and when he was young in in Ottawa and even his first year here, he had short hair. You know, he used to like, I think he had it dyed up top. Maybe you should go back to his like rookie year stuff and just go, you know, go full, hit the full reset button as a, as a pro hockey player. Um, I agree though. Anything. And I'm sure, look, you know, Mika's the kind of guy who's pretty introspective, um, very hard on himself. I can imagine he's weighing all options as we speak. Um, all right. Next one comes for, from Calor Commentary. We did talk about this earlier, but we can expand upon it a little bit here. Kako has arbitration rights and is set to hit unrestricted free agency in two seasons. It seems unlikely that he'd be a long-term piece. So isn't it pretty reasonable to make a trade? 
Um, I think we're all kind of on the same page here, at least, you know, factoring those things in. Um, what I'll say is, and then I'll let you guys jump in as well. I, I don't think it's unlikely that he's a long-term piece. I mean, it's very likely that they view him as cheap forward depth, right? That they could just say, Hey, look, we've got a guy who we know is going to be a really good defensive player. He does have scoring upside, right? We can point to 40 points, pretty much all at even strength last season, 18 goals, 22 assists. So, you know, again, that's kind of what Carl Hagelin, as you said uh, earlier, uh, Nick, that's kind of what Carl Hagelin used to give them. Maybe they're just looking at him as a Carl Hagelin type. And you know that if that's the scoring number, you're not going to have to pay him that much money. So I wouldn't say it's unlikely that he's a long-term piece. I would say, though, that it does make sense to explore trade options. I, I think you'd be irresponsible as a GM to not explore all your options on the table. If somebody's going to call and ask about a player, you have to pick up, unless it's, you know, Adam Fox or Artemi Panarin. I mean, even at this point with Shesterkin, you if somebody calls an eager, yeah, you, you take the call. You listen to what they have to say. It may be a very short conversation, but you still listen and, get, and give somebody the benefit of the doubt because if they're going to overpay for one of your assets, you'd be dumb to not take it, so. I, I think everything should be on the table. Every, not only should everything be on the table, um, I'd even take calls on Adam Fox. What if Edmonton's like, hey, we want Adam Fox. We'll give you Connor McDavid and uh, Evan Bouchard. In a heartbeat, <laughs> heartbeat, I make that trade. I think, they would, I think they would actually – I think the city of Edmonton would actually write. They didn't write okay. for Gretzky. <laughs> But I think that one, they'd actually riot. Oh, they would. And that's not a real rumor. That's nothing. That's just me throwing one of those extremes out there. But I do want to flip this a little bit on Kako. Given what Caller commentary said, RFA, two years of RFA before he hits unrestricted free agency at the age of 25. He will be highly sought after, even with questionable offensive numbers. He's going to get paid. Do you give him eight years at four and a half million if you can fit it with the cap? At the very worst, he's a middle six winger who puts up 40 points and plays and and what plays is one of your top penalty killers and plays the is one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. And if he ever finds that offense, if he pulls a Kreider and finds 30 goals later in his career, what a bargain that contract is. I, I just think the one uphill battle that he has is being in the same city where he was the second overall pick, where expectations were so high for him. So I, I just think that's the the stigma because I don't think fans will ever truly be happy because he, you know, oh, it's either him or Jack Hughes, and you know we got him. So hey, we got the kid coming off the World Juniors who was just lighting up the World Juniors offensively. So it was like we we expected to get, you know, the next big goal scorer in the NHL. So the fact that he's not that and he's turned into more of a defensive specialist, I just don't know. That That's why I keep saying I, I just don't know if this city is the right fit for him anymore. Well, so well, let me end now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the hype is the hype for a very specific reason that I'm not going to go into on this podcast. And it was ill-advised to have that level of hype for a guy that 
if you watch him closely, and this is actually what got Connell on to the staff here, you know, the way he was receiving the puck with the stick kind of in front of him and not in his hip pocket, not ready to make an action, you could tell he needed time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that nuance was lost in a lot of the hype of finally having a top two pick. So there's yeah. there well, was development needed. About this. Well, I was going to say, and then take think about this, right? I think the Rangers made made a mistake here. David Quinn as coach, and however else they treated, you know, this play, you know, uh, whoever else kind of had their hands on him. But his development, everybody figured it needed to be defense, right? Everyone figured that. Well, he's got to learn the two-way North American game, you know. And look, his metrics stunk to his first his rookie season. But a, he was a rookie. B, he was on an awful team. Um, by his second season, he was already showing massive improvement on that side of the puck. What he really needed, to your point, Dave, was true uh, skills coaching uh, in order to get him to make quicker decisions with the puck. Because now in season five, that's still what plagues him. I think like that's what that's what I think gums up the works and why his lines tend not to produce. Like, look, I, I totally appreciate the statistics. I know what the expected goals numbers, you know, on ice, you know, expected goals numbers look like with him, Zibanejad and Kreider, but also the 3% shooting is not just luck. It can't be. The sample size is too big. They're not throwing a ton of quality looks at the goalie and just getting goalie game after game after game. They have a lot of time in the offensive zone. They tend to get no shots or low quality shots. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kako's um, inability to make quick decisions with the puck, right? And 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 operate in tight space. You know, he's good along the boards. He's a powerful player, but um, like you said, Dave, that that ability to keep the puck in your hip pocket, get it off your stick quickly, he just doesn't have that. Now, uh, Lafreniere, and I want to bring him up as a point of comparison here because uh, Rob Luker made a great point earlier today in our group chat, and I think he, he tweeted about it. The discourse about Kako right now is is the exact same discourse from Lafreniere exactly a year ago. He was struggling to score. He was struggling to fit in. People were wondering about, hey, what could he get from him and for him in a trade? Um, we never got the taking calls on Lafreniere rumor, but certainly we had plenty of chatter about his work ethic, right? So similar discourse, similar kind of stage in his career. And Lafreniere found it this year. So, so Nick, I mean, let me, you know, you said, you know, maybe the New York is not the right city, the pressure being number two overall. We asked those same questions about Lafreniere. Uh, so, you know, are you happy with where Lafreniere is now? And why couldn't Kako do the same thing? I'm happy where Laf is at right now. I do think there is one. I, I, I do think there's still one part of Laf's game that he's struggling with, and that's finishing. And hopefully, sure. you know, that, that'll, that'll come a little bit more. But he's shown enough development that it's bought him some goodwill. I, I just I, I I don't know I just I, I just kind of feel like we're at the point with Kako that he is what he is and that there that I, I don't know if you can coach out of his game or teach him how to just make faster decisions I don't know if we've reached that point I, I just I kind of feel like five years in we're kind of at the point of no return yeah no I think that's fair to say it is a fair uh, yeah, that's fair. I don't necessarily yeah. agree, but it is a very fair assessment. One thing I want to add is Kako never had any concerns about his work ethic. True. Very true. None. 
but also Lafreniere maybe put those concerns to bed and he did work on yes, he did. the one thing that he needed to work on, which is his skating. He's much more explosive this year. He's much oh, better yeah. on his edges. It's, it's plain to see. I mean, they're I'll tell you guys, like I was at the game and they lost the game, but they were playing Vancouver and he had a goal and an assist in that game. And he was the best player on the ice. And, yep. and that includes Pedersen and JT Miller and all those guys. And I was watching, I was there with my dad and I, every time he got the puck, you know, we were kind of half joking, but we both said, just take it yourself. Just go through all five guys like that. Cause that's also how pathetic the team around him was, right? Obviously his line was good, but no one else could do anything. And he looked capable of doing that. And I'll say this about Kako, you know, he, he does have some dominant shifts in the offensive zone. He holds on to pucks. You know, he's got a little bit of a Yager style game to him, but I never get the sense with him that he could, he has the skills to ever take over a game the way of like, a, you know, laugh seems to have that potential now. Um, but it's interesting. Look, they're, they're forever tied as those high picks. Um, I would like to see him get a longer leash. That's to my earlier point. Like that's where I come back to with Capo Caco. Uh, two and a half games uh, off that injury. And he played well. Kreider and Zibanejad played well. They scored at even strength a couple of times. Um, Caco got one himself. And, and then, you know, they struggled as a team. And Blake Wheeler's back on the top line. Um, nothing against Blake Wheeler, by the way, because I think he's been exactly what Chris Jury thought he would be but he's also not a top line right wing. So anyway, um, that's it for the questions. Thanks to everybody for submitting. Um, Nick, I'll go to you first for any final thoughts uh, as we head out of the all-star break and into uh, the Rangers of the first game back on Monday, they play the Colorado avalanche at home. Uh, any final thoughts from you? It's going to be a tough game right out of the gate there. We're really going to see, the you know how this team can react to a little bit of adversity and even not even adversity but just go they went into the break hot off that that game against ottawa putting up seven so you know you had the nice little layoff here but the biggest thing for me i'm going to be watching is igor and i'm also going to have my eyes on keandre miller because as much as you know we're, we're talking about kako i i think a lot of attention has to be turned to keandre because he has not played well and his development has definitely peaked at this point. So th- this this second half of the season is not only huge for Lafreniere and Kako, but it's absolutely monumental for Keandre Miller. So uh, him and Igor are my two biggest points of focus as uh, as we get going towards the home stretch of the season. Dave. I'm going to reiterate what I have been saying all season. The Rangers are a cup contender. They don't need a big splash, although I would consider Ryan Hartman a big splash, and I'm kind of um, contradicting myself. You're pushing myself. that agenda now. You're almost as bad as Tyler with a Yanni Gord. At least, at least the Rangers can afford Ryan Hartman. Sorry, Tyler. Love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, so the Rangers are a playoff team. They're a Stanley Cup contender. They are one third-line center, preferably a fourth-line center, and probably a depth defenseman away from really rounding out the team. you got to let Igor figure it out. This team is not going to win if Igor doesn't do what Igor does. And this team is not going to win if your top players – don't do what they need to. Igor is one of them. Kreider's advantage at another another pair. You got to let these guys figure it out, and we can blame everybody all you want. Even if the Rangers are just relying on their power play and on the second line, 
they're capable of making a run. We saw them do this in October and November. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point, Dave. And, and the other thing is, I have two kind of closing points. One is, you just mentioned the top players needing to be the top players. One of the great signs of the last five games before the break was that Adam Fox really came alive. He was awesome. Frankly, he looks starting to look like himself. So hot, had a slow start, I think, because of the you know the new system, what, whatever it might have been. Um, he also then got injured, and it took him a while to get comfortable after the injury. I think the other thing we may see here is the Peter Laviolette factor. You know, we've been singing his praises all year. And this is a coach who has experience going through a long grinding season. Um, and now look, I know he's had limited playoff success lately, but he's also taken uh, two teams to the Stanley Cup final uh, three. I'm sorry. And obviously won the cup once with Carolina. Um, a lot of hockey is about peaking at the right time, right? Uh, Florida Panthers did that last year, made the cup final. You know, if the Rangers can be playing their best hockey in March and April, I feel really good about them going in, into the playoffs because also, and this has been said quite a bit, the Eastern Conference is wide open. There's no dominant team. You know, Boston's got a great record, but that's propped up by a lot of overtime losses. They're still very goaltending reliant. Um, Carolina's, you know, they're there. They're going to be tough. The Devils are not what they were with all their injuries and goaltending issues. This is the conference is there to be won. And you know, the Rangers might actually be able to get some favorable matchups if they do finish first in the Metro, which I think should be a goal here. I don't want them to take their foot off the gas and, you know, start resting guys. You know, I don't I don't want to see that um, because I think it's important to finish high this year. Um, and they've they've obviously had enough injuries and time off to deal with. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it should be a, a really interesting second half of the year. Trade deadlines coming up in five weeks. We'll be all over that as well. Um, real quick before we sign off, we have a YouTube channel now. You might even be listening to this podcast on that YouTube channel. It's at Live from the Blue Seats on YouTube. Please subscribe, turn your notifications on so you can um, you know, see when new episodes drop. We're also going to have some other bonus content on that YouTube feed, uh, some video breakdowns by Coach Connell himself, kind of working that out right now with, with JL. Um, and I, I allude to the trade deadline because I would love to, and I, I hope you guys agree, would love to do a live show, maybe even with video. Not that, you know, we have the prettiest faces in the world, uh, you know, although, you know, I know, I know, yeah, I know. Hey, maybe I'm speaking for myself there. I, you know, hey, all I'm saying hey, is I got the big video, face. the videos, <laughs> video option. We'll get out, you know, maybe we'll do a, we'll do a live, uh, you know, trade deadline roundup on, uh, on March 8th. So that's something we could potentially stream live on YouTube, but you know, we, we've been looking for those types of opportunities. So, um, with that, we want to thank you all for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next week.